All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, alongside Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. And uh, we are coming off one of the uglier games I think I've I've ever been to in my life. I left Angie with 10 minutes and 50 seconds left when Washington scored 42. Yeah. I looked at my cousin and I said, are you happy because you double them? He goes, yeah. I was like, all right, well, let's go. <laughs> and I just, I wasn't going to endure the rest of that game. I know they scored a touchdown with Tyner, but um, that one was about as bad as as I think I've seen in a long oh, time. I mean, I was, I went to school during the Pettibone years. That's when I was in Oregon State, and I've never seen an offense so inept in my life. I, eight first downs, eight. How and many that, of those came against second and well, third string three, defensive players? Three came in that one drive with Tyner, and that was the you know second and third string Huskies. So yeah, um, I mean, the first half, like sixty five yards of total offense. Well, here, here's the other part too is. You know, we try to wrap a lot, and today on the podcast, we're going to get to the damn questions that we have, um, and then also Kerry Eggers is actually going to join because that's a guy that has been around this program for an awfully long time. His his dad was an SID. He, pre- he pre- predates me. Yeah, he does, <laughs> and I, I'm just he's never shy of giving his opinion, just where he thinks this program is at in correlation with where it's been in the past. So we'll dive into all that. But you know, what was funny is I, I've seen a lot of people talk about you know the improvement on defense and look there were moments on Saturday that I liked watching some players that we know that were stepping up but I, I was I was saying it half by the people in my section if you looked at the stats the it bears out more the Huskies shot themselves in the foot than it did to me Oregon State actually only being down seven to nothing and I, I legitimately I, I turned to my cousin and I go you guys are going to roll us in the second half. Oh, yeah, I mean the the first half it it never even though it was a seven zero game it didn't feel like that game was no, ever going to be in because question. their offense couldn't do anything. The offense, yeah, it was and and Washington has had that struggle all season the slow start in the first half and then they come come back but um, no the offense you know the defense I think has shored up some things but they can't be expected to play when the offense gives them nothing and between three and outs on the offense and how many times did we see Washington like third and ten and then a big run up the middle to get them first down mm-hmm. I mean, it happened. Well, how, how bad was that fourth and ten run exactly when they had run on third and long and then they got stuffed and they lost a yard or two and then on fourth and ten you're like hey man you gotta stop here maybe the momentum can swing and maybe yeah. they do something on offense and what did they do? They ran it on fourth and ten, 10 for a first down. Yeah, that's backbreaking. It, it, it completely backbreaking. So, <clears throat> I, I just I, I want to know why do they have a quarterback in that they don't trust to throw the ball? They have no one else. Connor Blount can't throw the ball. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think the silence answers my question. I when I walked out of the stadium, I, there were a couple older alums. Um, uh, walking out as well, and they were done. And uh, we're, we're talking olds here, you okay. know. And I was just simply saying, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen an offense. I can't recall in my mind an offense this bad. Now, people were pointing to me on Twitter 2015. Some people were pointing last week. The other people were pointing last year. Like, I get 2015 references. Here's the thing. I looked at the numbers. Did you know 2015, in a lot of regards, was better than this year? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised the at all. The scoring is up a little bit from okay. 2015, okay. but by two points. So it was 19 to 21. Okay. Not much of a difference okay. there. Uh, but in rushing, they were better in 2015. Passing, they were better in 2015. There, there's just some merit to that this might be the worst offense we've seen pre-first Riley stop. No, compl- I mean, it is. It's it's worse than anything I've seen. And then, you you know, like, we've been having this discussion on Blitz. So, Anderson has run off so many quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know if you saw the, the article that was in the Orlando Sentinel um, on Saturday interviewing Luke Del Rio. And it asked, he, you, know, ta- you know, you started as a walk-on at Alabama. And you transferred to Oregon State. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget spring. It was, a, it was a Tuesday morning. And before spring camp, and Coach Anderson told me, looked me right in the eye and said, you will not play here. Wow. So flat out just says you will you not play. play here. You won't play here. So you've run off these quarterbacks that, you know, good or bad, it would be nice to have depth right now because they couldn't even run Anderson, I mean or Garrettson. Garrettson's strength is with his legs. They don't want to run him because if he gets hurt, you have nothing. You have nothing. Yeah. And and I think um 
Wow, you, you really threw me for. I didn't see that article. Yeah. Um, Luke Del Rio, by the way, you know he earned the starting gig in Florida, and it was unfortunate that he broke his collarbone. His career's basically done and in college, but that's concerning. I think there's a couple concerning things too. You know, the one thing that that jumps out for a lot of people is that Isaiah Hodgins quote. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why he didn't play, but. Kevin, you know, you have to ask the offensive coordinator. It was weird. That whole press conference Saturday night was weird. Doesn't it feel like, and and I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of in-season firings and dismissals. It kind of just feels like he wants to let him go and he won't, which to me almost makes the situation worse. See, that's that's my thing. And we've talked about this on Blitz as well is when do you cut bait with, you know, I mean, it's getting bad. I mean, I worry for Oregon State, like how they're going to sell tickets next year and how are they going to, you know, keep donations up? How are they going to sell tickets the rest of the season? The rest of the season, but um, you know, I think if if Coach Anderson would go out and make a you know and just say I'm reassigning X Y and Z coach, X coach Y co- whatever, just say I'm reassigning him for the rest of the season. At least it shows the fans and and quite frankly the players that hey, coach gets it. There's something broken and he's going to fix it. You don't have those guys out recruiting. You don't have those guys. Um, you know, where players or you know coaches can coach against or yeah. recruit against you. It's it's a tough situation, but then also you can't be. It would give him time to be talking maybe behind closed doors or behind you know the phone lines with some guys. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough tough situation. How much better? I, I just I we could differ on that. And that's fine. I just your two cents. How much better are they with Marcus McMarion? Do you really think? Because I've gotten that a lot on Twitter too. People have shown me Marcus McMarion's stat lines, how he's earned the job already in Fresno after transferring in August. It's Fresno. I mean, I'll give you – I mean, it's not – Marcus doesn't have a good arm. So, for the offense that Coach Anderson wanted to change to, he want, he needed someone with an arm. And good or bad, I do think Gary Anderson has gotten impatient with his process. You know, when he arrived, it was a, a vision of what he saw – this program being, and he was very articulate about it. But over the time, over the past two and a half years, we've seen him kind of just, I think, get impatient. He wants to win, and he wants to win now, yeah. to the point where he's bringing in a pro-style quarterback. Hopefully, Jake Luton can come back here at some point. I, I do think watching Jake throw, his arm is definitely better than Garrison or McMarion, but you, you can't take away that leadership quality as well. And I know a lot of the team wanted McMarion. They just had faith in him. Well, and, you know, I, I buy into that. I think it's pretty evident that he had built up the the leadership quality and the trust of a lot of guys. Uh, I do also believe if they go in and they beat Colorado State, suddenly the whole locker room switches. I think it's that simple to to turn a team uh, around with a new guy. So I don't think that's the reason that they're not good or they haven't oh, been good this yeah, season. It goes yeah. much, much deeper than that. I'm glad you hit on something there because on my show today I was talking about is there anything Oregon State and Gary Anderson can do to restore the faith? And, and I, I even said short of winning games. Is there something non-winning games-wise that can turn it? Because I was at that game Saturday, as were you. And I didn't I, get to leave with 11 minutes. Yeah, I know. I mean, I had the benefit of saying, screw this. I paid for these tickets. I'm out. Um, but sitting at that game, nobody there five minutes before kick. And I'm like, well, well, attendance is about what I expect. And then I'll give Oregon State fan credit. I think they tailgated a little longer. <laughs> and they said, let's buckle up and go in. I thought the student section the deserves student a shout-out. Yeah. They were packed to the brim. It and they were like there after half. They, they were there at the half, yeah. and then they eventually yeah. uh, petered out. But um, I thought the fans showed up, for the most part, what you can expect for a team of this caliber. <laughs> Obviously, some purple in the stands. I, I just I, I think I look at this situation, and I don't expect the next game to be packed whatsoever for Colorado. I wouldn't be shocked. Have they given that a start time yet? So a one o'clock. That's kick. a one o'clock mm-hmm. kick. Yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine a lot of people going to be at that one. What can he do to restore the faith in a fan base short of winning ball games? I, I think you have to reassign a coach or two. I, I think that's the only. You say reassign, so like well, take I mean, they, they're Kevin McGivin. They're not going to fire a coach right mid-season. They already. I mean, they still owe money. Yes, but they have one-year contracts. Yeah, no, I, I'm but, with you. But just I don't say think you know will. we're reassigning. Coach X to, you know, quality control, such and such. <laughs> Basically, uh, we're waiting to fire him role. No, exactly. But it's, yeah, okay. I guess I'm just being So nice you think that, firing. so let's say they, they take um, Kevin McGivens, kind of the, the sitting duck here in the conversations for a lot of fans. Let's say they reassign Kevin McGiven and they say, hey, we put Coach McGiven mm-hmm. on quality control and we've assigned 
I don't know, fill in the blank, Jason Phillips as the new offensive coordinator. You think that restores the faith of the future of the program? I think I think it shows fans that Coach Anderson understands that there are some major issues. I mean, we get a lot of coach speak. This was the, the talk on Blitz, though. It was, I mean, it's actually do- dove into how you could restructure things. So, in my personal opinion, the offensive line has regressed and gotten worse. The recruiting is not good. Um, the, the play is not good. So, you know, what could Oregon State do? And, you know, you look right on staff right now, you have a consultant, and I say that with air quotes, um, in Dan Cazetto, who has years of experience coaching. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's coached O-line. He's coached running backs at Oregon State. He spent eight years at his, you know, with Jake Plummer down at ASU when they were down when he was down there as an O-coordinator. Tons of experience. Make him an, o, an O-line coach for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Make him the O-coordinator. I, you know, I don't know where you go with that, but... You know, there's a lot of different things. If he decided to go on the defensive side, um, you know, Gary himself was a D coordinator, so it's not like he couldn't, you know, handle things. Yeah. Well, you know, that maybe that's a route that they go. Um, I had a hard time coming up with an answer for that. Restoring the faith and getting people to rally behind you. I, I just it feels like it's dwindling it every dwindling. single week. And and every, you know, and you know, in Blitz we have some of the most diehard fans. I think at, you you, know, you guys do have the most diehard you know, fans. You have these diehard fans that and, and they're losing faith. So then it becomes a, even a bigger issue from what can Gary Anderson do, but it's what does Scott Barnes do? He's still new on the job, mm-hmm. doesn't know the fan base well, but he's got to be a little worried. You know, and I our our practice um, our writer down in Corvallis, Amy, texted me today and said Scott Barnes was at practice again today. So um, he's he's taking he, he obviously has his eyes open to what's going on and knows the you know the seriousness of what's going on. Well, and the other thing too is you know you mentioned reassigning guys and putting them in different roles, and you know we'll get to the damn questions here before talking to Carrie, but. The, the, when this is part of a question that we have, so I, I just bring it up because I wanted to talk about it anyway. I think the inconsistencies help you lose the faith more. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by the inconsistencies is just what is this program? If I asked you to identify, I thought about this too, identify or tell me the identity of every Pac-12 school. I really think outside of maybe Cal because they have the exception mm-hmm. of being a new coach you could give me the identity of what every program is doing minus Oregon State. Oh, completely. Like, We've talked about that for weeks now. Somebody said Arizona to me, and I laugh, and I go, they're a running team. Yeah. They're not great. Uh, defensively, they've got holes, and Dawkins is very inconsistent at quarterback. They will still they run, run the run ball. The ball. Yes. They know what they are. They know what they want to do, and they're going to do it. ASU, they'll spread you out. they got speedy athletes, mm-hmm. and they trust a Manny Wilkins. Uh, Stanford, we know. Washington, we know. Washington State, I mean, the list goes on and on. And Gary was very good at saying what he wanted. He wanted a, a smash-mouth, hard-nosed defense, and he wanted an offense with a quarterback that could beat you with his arm, his legs, and his mind. And he's gotten completely away from that. And, and he and went at balance. I yes. mean, we talked, what did he say, 60-40 run 60-40, pass? 60-40, yeah. They don't – I mean, the play calling was unreal. And then, then you take into the account the team has come out looking worse, in my opinion, every after half. Oh well, my I husband mean, laughed at yeah. me. He's like, I almost think that the team should just stay out in the field at half. And well, they just—they're lifeless too. Yeah, There's no lifeless. energy. Even being down seven nothing at the half, which um, I was very upset. I really was. I almost to the point where I wanted to boo. And I'm not one of those people. Why did you not call a timeout with a minute oh five left on? Even though you turn on twenty and say, let's try to get something. You know, even though I know your offense is probably not moving the ball in that defense. It was such a defeatist, like, well, we'll go and be proud that we're down 7 nothing. versus yeah. let's try to get some points Something. and capitalize on momentum. Yeah, it's, it's driving me crazy. And then Sunday morning, I wake up and I see Roy Manning, who is oh, a defensive well, yeah. coach for Washington linebacker State, coach. linebacker coach, yeah. sending out a video from his Friday night victory. And I'm just sitting there going, where is that? Yeah. Where, where is that in Corvallis? We don't have that anymore. I mean, and he does that all the time. I mean, there's been videos. Yeah, he's that, a great character. I mean, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, and that's just it. You need something like that at, at Washington State or in Corvallis. You need that um, guy that's, I mean, gosh, what was he in Coach Leach's office? There was the cougar behind him and the a pirate. The stuffed cougar and the pirate, yeah. yeah. Well, and somebody had, had uh, I had a buddy because I shot it to him, and he goes, well, who was that for, for Oregon State? And I was like, well, first of all, social media wasn't prominent in Riley's like great run and the second thing I would say is Riley was great at recruiting the kids 
that didn't necessarily more need into the that. hype. Yeah, they, they fed the, off yeah. their own of I'm a two star, I'm a yeah. one star, and we're gonna punch you in the mouth and we're gonna pull this upset. He was exceptional. That staff was exceptional at finding that kid. Not only do you not have that kid on staff, you or on your on your roster, you don't have that coach on your staff. Mm-hmm. And to me, that you have a head coach that doesn't even. No, do because I think yeah, and that's God. There's and then so you have many different coach avenues that, we go. I, I mean, I, I don't know if we talked about this last week. We've talked about it. I've talked about it with a bunch of people, but it was interesting because Corey Hall, similar, you know, he gets fired up, and he talked about how he wanted. This was a week or two ago. He wanted Xavier uh, Crawford to have that alter ego that he goes out and plays with you know x and it's the superhero guy and he said that's how he played and coach Anders like no that i don't believe in that mm-hmm. but then you hear like ocho cinco says oh yeah it was all a show i mean it was these guys need that yeah it's it's just interesting but i don't see an identity at all <clears throat> offense defense you name it well i think that's a that just goes to the point though that goes to the point of why people would have a hard time like where you're at right now in year three you're looking around and you're going well the program and where it potentially is going to be going and what it could be i don't even know how to answer no, that question no. and I, it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere in the right direction. No. And, and and here's the other thing this makes it worse i don't think gary anderson can answer it and i think that's part of the frustration factor for him is he doesn't know what's happened and you mentioned he wanted a quarterback that could beat you with his arms right not just running and i get that but maybe in looking back to last but he year... he wanted a quarterback to beat you with his arm, legs, and mind. It was like the three-prong approach. Maybe looking back to last year, you know, we did this with Arizona and Oregon, right? The wins. Oh, we built momentum. And now we're like, well, maybe those teams just sucked. Maybe we should have identified when he came on our radio station, 1080 The Fan, and told Isaac and Souk after losing to Washington State, that air raid element, you know, I really liked that. Maybe that should have been a red flag of, wait a minute... Why just continue to do what you want to do instead of going now year three? You've changed your offense all three years. Yeah, and new quarterback. I mean that, and that's really what happened. And how many that quarterbacks is, have they played? It, it's six. Six quarterbacks have started. Good for, lord. For, and you know that was it. He he kind of got fixated with that air raid after Washington State came back and beat he, them. He was last winning twenty one yeah. by twenty one points yeah. in that game. And that and they came back and he became so fixated. That's he went out, found Jake Luton. That was like yeah. his guy. That's why. That's why the impatience. Is I, yeah, my... and and I think that is what it is. It's the impatience. Look, and I'm I'm just as responsible. When he talked about the air ride, I said, "Oh, this is great." And when they won their last two, I said, "Oh, this is great." Like I'm just as responsible as any media member or any person rooting for the program. I bought into the hype. I've probably oversold this. I've oversold that. And there are just simple explanations for where this program is in terms of what we saw last year and what we were expecting. Yeah. And, and to me, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where he goes from here, but it sure doesn't feel like anything different's going to change. Even if you go to a new OC, okay, great. Well, a different running attack. Like, well, let's think about the OCs. Four. You had Baldwin, and then you had co-OCs with McGiven and Woods, and now you have just McGiven, but you have a passing game coordinator in Phillips, which those that's been the past three years. I, I should have asked Phillips this when we uh, had him on earlier. Um, how does that work in a game calling situation? Like, does McGiven call on a pass play and Phillips goes, "No, no, no, no. <laughs> do this one. I'm the I'm passing yeah. it." Like, how does that operate? I, I yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very it's a very questionable <laughs> yeah situation going and on. And then with does them. Gary have you know you see him on the headset? Is he changing plays? Is you know is it? I doubt That's he's we, changing offensive plays. Maybe okay. defensive schemes he's having a say in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, the other thing, too, is you know, I, I um, when I do the radio show, because of where we do it at in Portland, we, we have to talk Ducks, mm-hmm. and we got into recruiting for Oregon on um, a segment. And I, I kind of just came, I had like a come-to-God moment, and I go, you know what? It, they need to change their approach. Mm-hmm. I think social media is killing them a little bit. Our head coach is not on Twitter, and I used to think, "Oh, that's kind of cool. He's rogue." And but now we're on to year three. I don't know where the recruiting class ranks in the country. I'm sure it's down there, and it's probably one of the worst in the conference, if not the worst. You don't feel very confident right now in that direction. Things like watching other programs have new coaches, and they're on Twitter, and they're sending out tweets or they're sending out videos. Assistants are of hyping themselves up. I think that matters a lot to kids. I really do. Um, not every kid, but the kids you want to get that you normally can't. Because that social media has gotten yes. so big. Yes. Forever. And like you were talking about Riley and his kind of diamonds in the rough. 
those aren't even as prevalent any longer because of social media because now kids have their own huddle accounts and they're sending their own you know huddle videos via twitter to you know everybody can see them yeah it's, it's not sites like yourselves yeah, are yeah. finding them coaches are coaches emailing are, or sending like you said it's video not the or, secret no you know i mean gosh my my nine-year-old here has his own huddle account <laughs> i mean it's silly but yeah um that's that's where they're at now and there is no hype right now with oregon state football and granted they're one in what are they one in four, four right now yeah. um but, you know, I came on a couple, you know, probably a month ago, and we were talking about, yeah, there's still a shot with Talanoa Hufunga. There's still a shot, Isa Crocker, still Isaiah Crocker. Um, and I don't even think, you know, that... Th- at this point, at it's this hard point, to say that they are. No. You and we know they're not with... Um, with Talanoa. Talanoa, yeah, because yeah. he, he announced that. But it, it feels like I'm we're... It's just a negative freaking podcast and it's hard not to be it really is well but it's hard too because you can talk about positives like okay i mean one of the questions here i see on blitz for us is um you know when anderson fires both coordinators at the end of the year does that alleviate can immediately alleviate locker room issues and who does he bring in i mean those are the kind of things that you could start talking about but we can't start talking about coaches being fired necessarily and who they bring in when that's not happening yeah until that happens it's hard to speculate yeah. you know somebody else on twitter asked us um let me find it here real quick answer a couple questions before carrie joins the show uh give me a second your here. big island beaver at said is barnes going to overlook his friendship with anderson and make him make some changes um as some have said on this board barnes is not happy but is the relationship stronger than we think well, I think the relationship is great. I think that was a big reason you brought him in. Um, they gave him the extension. Look, the pressure on the outside of, of making a change, I don't think you need to do that with Gary. I think that's a, a, a almost a compliment towards Gary. He wants to win. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't view that he has the same loyalty that Riley did. I've heard differently. Really? Yeah. See, that's that would be terrifying. Yeah. If that ends up being the case and... You know, you come back and you're like, well, you know, Kevin struggled, but it was year one of this new offense. We trust what we're doing. I think people at that point are like, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Wait and till you win games. And that's going to be the, the question, I think, is will Anderson be able to make the tough decisions with some of his longtime friends and coaches um, that he brought here and, you know, be able to say, I made a mistake. This isn't working. Will it come from Barnes? Will it come from, you know, President Ray? Oh. I doubt Ray. Maybe more Barnes. I think Barnes is brought in for a certain reason. And but does Ray talk to Barnes? Maybe, maybe not. And here, here it is. I found it. Matt Mack asks if we let a coordinator go, is there one or two you realistically circling slash hoping for? And are we trying to lose our best young player and future DT? Um, you know, I thought about this for the last couple of days of what OCs are out there if, if they were to go that route. Again, it's hard to speculate given that they don't have those positions open. You know what? Just go find the Bo Baldwin. I don't know who that is right now because you look at some of these programs that are not Power 5 and like some programs last year that were some of the top smaller school-wise, they've dropped 17 points per game. So it's tr- it's hard to trust fully into an OC and also to say that you're going to steal an OC from a Power 5 contender because where the finance is at. I would just simply say, go find the Bo Baldwin. I don't know who that is, but I trust Cal and what they did. Go find an FCS guy that you think has a good offense that wouldn't be drastically different from what the kids are you have now. And be patient. Build something. Stop with this freaking out and needing to tweak every little thing every year. You're not building a successful program by being that inconsistent with it. You're just not. See, it's interesting. We've had this talk on Blitz about who do you go out and get, and it's it's interesting because Beaver fan, right? That especially on Blitz, they're diehards. They actually, you know, go find an, an former Oregon State player. We, I mean, they just laughed about, you know, pay what back, back the Brinks truck up and keep Jonathan Smith in Corvallis as your OC. How much money is that going to take lot, though, versus how much he's already making yeah. at Washington? A lot. And why would or, you go from go Washington out, to Oregon, Oregon State, State with the possibility that you fail miserably? Yeah. And if you stay with Peterson, who's already a great offensive mind and they're helping you, you're staying in the top 12. See, I, I love the Jonathan Smith idea too, just because of the... I mean, but that Beaver fan gets you know caught up in the emotion. or, or That's not out, happening like, to me. Or Brecht- Brechterfield or Keith Hayward, who you know wants a shot at a DC job. 
do you take a shot and say do you take a young coordinator a young, yeah i mean you know. look if you're gonna make a move i i don't want them to make a move but i think at this point they might have to you have to go to a point where you get a young up and coming and you you, you sit on your hands you're patient yeah, you, and you let have them to build let them something build it. with yep. you and you have to keep your hands out of the kitchen that's the tough part they're not doing that no so I just I've been struggling with it, Angie. It's it's frustrating. I, I want them to win as much as anybody, and I know all of us want them to win a Pac-12 title. I don't even want that necessarily. I want it. Just get back to being a consistent seven a eight win program. Team. Yeah, a competitive program. Yes, like I was yeah. I was thinking about the Riley days because I I actually hit with my time in college. I hit perfectly with the Riley era because he came back the second time and then reestablished and became that program where they're competing for a Pac-12 title, Pac-10 title at that point in a Rose Bowl berth, or they're winning eight games and they're going to a bowl game and it's fun to watch. I was there for that. Yeah. That's all I want. You know, and, and it's interesting you think about it. Not asking for the world Beaver, here. Beaver fan was like, one at Riley gone. And I'm not one of these like, Riley should come, you know, Riley gone as bad, whatever. But what's interesting is as bad as some of those losses Riley had, you know, the Sac States, the Eastern Washingtons of the world, they were at least competitive throughout the seasons. Mm-hmm. We're not even seeing competitive football right now. No. With arguably better talent on the roster. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one to answer. There's a lot of questions. There's all these what ifs, and it's fun. I mean, that's that's what we have. That's the only thing we have, right? You know, the or it's kind of a fun thing we have right now going up before Bliss. It's just the speculation of what if. Um, we've had some fun threads there. Well, that's that's what I think. You know, overall, for people that are checked out, I don't care anymore. This is where I differ. I, I think there's a lot of things to wonder about with where this program is and where they're going to be. Um, year three under Gary Anderson. This is not what people thought. No, anybody. But it's definitely not time to check out. Yeah. <laughs> I... Says the person that sat through the entire game. <laughs> I mean, I checked out. I did. I, I checked out in the fourth quarter. See if at I have any point. more questions here. Okay. Um, I got one here. This one comes actually. Uh, Angry Beave, who is not a big fan of us. I, yeah, he doesn't like us. Yeah, it's okay. He still asked us, and I, I think this is interesting. Why is everyone afraid to ask Gary Anderson how he screwed up the quarterback decision so badly? This is our point. It's not about being afraid. We're not afraid to ask a grown man another question. It's simply, what's his answer going to be? It's not. He's First of all, he's going to get pissed and give you nothing the rest of the year. The second part of that is, he's not going to give you an answer. So, again, this goes to our point last week. What is the point of asking some of these questions when you know he will either, A, get pissed at you and not answer it, or be dance around it without an answer. No, and that's just it. I, we get this all the time too about well the hard questions he'd be answered. Well, the hard you know you can try to ask the harder questions, but yeah, he'll get pissed. He'll clench his. I jaw. feel like people are asking the I right mean, questions yeah, for the most I part. Mean, anyway, why didn't Isaiah Hodgins play? What was the answer? That, that it pissed was, people off. It was crazy. And then they ask again. I, I remember sitting there thinking, okay, that's kind of odd. But then on Monday, somebody asked again, and he's like, I already answered that. You need to ask. Jason Phillips. Or but Kevin see, that, that's what's funny about it is there's no culpability there. Well, and, and Jason Phillips then comes out and says, oh, and, and McGiven, they both said, oh, it's because we went to a two, two wide out set and Seth Collins is the number two guy. But that's I watched a, lie. a lot of film. Yeah, that's, that's a, complete a straight lie. lie. Because I went back and watched film and there are four wide outs on the field. That is a straight lie. I've seen this. But the depth why don't thing. they just say. He's the four star recruit. Yeah. But why don't you just. It's easy. Coaches do this every single week. If he's not feeling good or it's a violation of team rules, boom, done in-house and it, it's left at that we wanted to teach the young man a lesson yeah. he's still on board he's a yeah. great addition to our university we can get through this he can learn a lesson and we'll be good for next week yeah. it really is it's that simple that simple i mean how many times do we hear coaches say violation of team rules and then it's dropped it's like okay whatever. that's such a red flag to me of where your program is and and maybe he didn't want it to come out and look that way. But it made it worse by it answering did. it the way he did. I thought I completely agree. It's your four-star wide yeah. receiver. I don't care what set you're running. Yeah. Put his butt on the field. He's not taking a football to the side of the head, I'll tell you that much. There's <laughs> or dropping a it, just flat-out dropping yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I, I feel bad sometimes for these college kids because they don't get paid. But, man, in my section, it got ugly on him, on Villeman. We're talking grown men standing up, <laughs> shouting things that I was like, whoa, hope his family's not sitting in this area. Because I was right by where the parents and girlfriends, et cetera, sit. But I, I don't know. That that was another example of where this season is. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. He's your four-star prized recruit. It's, yeah. It's not like you're asking about a um, walk-on. He caught your game-winning played. touchdown yeah. pass against Portland State. He's shown good flashes this year. You should know. You should know. There's no excuse for that. You want to do any more questions before we get to Carrie? Um, let's. I had one right here. Um, 
uh, C. Beaver says, is there any hope for Anderson in the future of OSU football? What? Or with Anderson in the OSU. Um, so I actually, I went out a little bit and I, I have no intel. This is just kind of like something I've been thinking about too with the, when I, when Portland state started happening and I was like, okay, this, they're probably not gonna be good this year. I'm not going to be surprised if he leaves. Okay. Um, I think he's a very committed, passionate guy that does like being in small towns. And I'm not even sitting here telling you that he's going to get a huge job. But you need to look at the landscape of college football right now and ask yourself, how are they going to fill all these huge program jobs? There's there's some big ones that are going to be open at the end of this season. And if you're him and you're not sure the future and where you're going and how hard this really was... Do you want to waste your viable years of being a decent coaching candidate by losing in Corvallis because nothing will take your reputation down further than that, in my opinion. You'll go to Corvallis, you'll rebuild, it won't go well, and then three years from now, you're still not where you need to be and people won't look at you as such a sexy hire versus I still think he can hold on to some of that. You know, just to use an example and not, again, no speculation from any sources on this, just a gut and a thought. Oxford, Mississippi is not a huge town. And Ole Miss is going to for sure go hire a new football coach. If you still have some of that cachet, do you think about going? You're going to the SEC. I'll give you that. But you are going to a a more resourced football mm-hmm. program. Um, so I've been thinking about this for a while. I don't know what the future is going to hold. If he stays, great. I'll continue to support it until it gets to a breaking point. Mm-hmm. But I also am not going to be stunned at all if it gets so bad that he kind of looks around and just goes, yeah, it's it's not going to work here. I'm, I'm going to take my name and Before the reputation it's... I have left and take it somewhere else. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different uh, animal to go from Oregon State and build what you can and deal with the resources that you have versus going to some of these programs where football is life. Mm-hmm. It's a religion. It's a livelihood. Yeah. So I don't know. How do you feel about that? I, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, oh, just the question. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think he can, but I think he needs to make some. I think he can, he can have a future in Corvallis and turning Oregon State around. But I think he needs to make some tough decisions with his staff, and he needs to bring a, a top-notch O coordinator in that he lets do his thing. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to Kerry Eggers then. Okay. Let's bring on Kerry Eggers right now. Kerry Eggers, PortlandTribune.com on Twitter at Kerry Eggers is our guest on the damn podcast this week. Kerry, we were talking about uh, just where the the program is at, the future of the program, everything. You've been around this program an awful long time. Different coaching staffs. What do, what do you make of the 2017 season? <laughs> So far, it's been a disaster. I think even Gary Anderson would tell you that, Brandon. And, uh, you know, he's not sure why. I think he had, you know, expectations like just about all of Beaver Nation did that after the way they finished, you know, 2016, you know, they got some good young talent coming up. Um, they have a, had a good quarterback coming in and, and Jake Luton. I think there was a lot of expectations that they would, you know, contend for a bowl game, and that's not going to happen. And uh, So, you know, there, there's just so many things that have happened in a negative, uh, from a negative standpoint that, you know, you can't really say a whole lot positive right now. Kerry, I've been around since about the Pettibone days, and uh, I have not seen a offensive performance that bad that we saw Saturday, even counting the Pettibone days. Have you? Uh, you know, I'd have to go back and think about it. It, it was it was pretty nauseating for a Beaver fan. I felt bad for the the, the, the student, great student support in that game, and mm-hmm. and they and then they you know they didn't give have give much to cheer about. Um, you know, they, with Daryl Garrettson, they're going to be limited on what they can throw, Angie, and and so. Uh, and, and then the running game, Washington has probably got, if they don't have the best run defense in the country, they're right in the conversation. So it was just a perfect storm that they weren't going to get a whole lot done, and they didn't. What, what do you, you know, Kerry, I, I, I would love for you to be able to take our listeners, um, having, having watched Oregon State football as long as you have, to just, it's hard to put into words, I guess, but does it feel like there's anything hopeful that you could wrap your your fandom about? If you're talking to a fan and, and you're talking to me, let's say you're talking to me and I'm rooting for Oregon State, 
Could you sell me on a hopeful future? I asked earlier, could Gary Anderson do anything <laughs> short of winning games to restore the faith of the future of the program? Is there anything that stuck out to you, or does this feel pretty bleak right now? Well, I do, I do feel Gary Anderson's a good coach. He's certainly a good man. Uh, he's a guy that wants to be at Oregon State. He wants, I mean, there's nobody that wants to, I mean, he, this, he, he has turned his hair out, Brian, and this is, this is killing him right now because he does not want this to happen in the third year of his program. Um, I think, I think he's dissatisfied, and I don't mean this, I mean, I gotta be careful the way I say this. He's dissatisfied with the job that coaches have done. That doesn't mean he thinks he has bad coaches, but he, he he's, He's unhappy that they have not put the players in a better situation to, to succeed. I, I think it's been a combination. The coaches probably haven't done quite the job they need to do, and the players haven't either. Uh, and and it, you know, let's face it, the, the, the right they needed to win those first three games. So they didn't win though. They won one of the, the first three, and and at that point they're in trouble because the Pac-12 is a minefield, and the first five games they've got are very very difficult. You're asking me about the future. I I think that there's a, there's a chance we'll see some changes in the coaching staff that would help. Uh, I, I do think that they've got some good young players. Some of them are redshirting, um, and I, I, I think Gary. Uh, has a handle on what he needs to do, but uh, there's some things that need to be done that need to be changed to have things look optimistic for me and for for the fans of Oregon State. Yeah, so Gary, I've I've heard similar things. I mean, Gary, for the fans that think Gary Anderson is not, you know, going crazy, I mean, he's in his office like nonstop. That's that's what he's doing. But do you do you think that Gary will be able to make the hard decisions and, and cut bait with some of these uh, longtime friends and, and coworkers that he's had? Sure. Yeah, I do think that, Angie. Um, he's a loyal man, but he's also a smart man, and he wants to succeed. And if he thinks that changes are necessary, he'll make them. You know, it's very similar to Mike Riley's situation, if you remember. He had to make a lot of changes. He made a couple at Nebraska this last year, too. But, uh, you know, and Mike's a loyal guy, too. But uh, he made four or five changes through a course of about eight years there in coaching staff, and I think he upgraded. I think Gary will be amenable to doing that if he thinks that's the right thing to do. You know, Scott Barnes gets hired, and he's got a relationship with Gary Anderson. I'm not sitting here saying that they're rolling in money now because of a Scott Barnes hire, but how different is the program or the athletic department uh, in the way that they handle uh, a football program? Like, you mentioned changes might have to be made on the coaching staff, and at this point, it'd be hard to argue that they wouldn't be made are, are we looking at unprecedented type spending i mean what, what would would there be any difference with scott barnes at the helm at ad you know i think the spending is okay uh brandon um you know they've got the valley center now they spent a lot of money they spent 30 some million dollars to get it they now have a state-of-the-art place to bring their uh, recruits and the families in and, and the players get to you know have a great lux- luxury locker room and, and dining facilities and all that so you know there has been already been money spent i don't know that money's the, the answer here you you know washington state doesn't have a lot of money but somehow they convinced the kids that mike leach was the way to go and it took him three or four years but he's established a pretty good program there same thing happened to colorado i don't know that colorado is teaming at money like some of the other schools either but you get the right coach you get the right staff and then you get the right players and presto you have you have the right formula uh, it's not quite quite there for Oregon State. I'm not going to say it can't get there, and you know things can change around quickly. And, and as I said, I do have a lot of respect for Gary as a coach and as a person. And uh, you know, I, I'm not going to give up on him. I think he can still get it done. So, so Kerry, you know, I, we were talking Brandon and I earlier about the the level of talent has has seemingly increased at Oregon State. There's they've totally different type of player. Um, but do you think Gary has maybe gotten a little impatient and maybe been fiddling a little too much maybe in the offense? That, that he has been fiddling too much with the offense? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's almost the other way around, Angie. I think he needs to take, take a little bit more control of it. He didn't even know that Isaiah Hodges didn't play in that last game. Well, he's got to know that as a head coach. Now, he doesn't have to make that decision. I'm fine with him uh, not, you know, uh, 
with him allowing the coaches those decisions that the, the, he doesn't have to say, I'm going to tell you whether they're going to be suspended or whether they're not going to play, but he needs to know about all those things. And uh, by the way, I don't, I don't agree that Isaiah Hodgins is their third, third best receiver. I think he's their best receiver, and I don't think there's any excuse for him not to play if he's not suspended in that last. Yeah, that was the questionable thing to me, too, is like whether it was uh, suspension, um, um, discipline, whatever it was, it just it felt like it could have been handled a lot different, whereas I think it just adds more flames to the fire that's already going with where Oregon State is. Um, they, they have... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Angie. No, I, I just wanted to, to say something, though, because it was interesting is, you know, when Gary was hired, he made the comment that he wanted a quarterback that would beat you with his arm, his legs, and his mind. But after the Washington State game last year, when Washington State came back and beat Oregon State, that is when Gary Anderson went out to get Jake Luton. That wasn't a McGiven find. That was a Gary Anderson find. So do you think Gary has abandoned his own identity for that offense? Uh, again, I, Gary is is really heavily involved with the defense with Kevin Coyne, and uh, I I watch him during games. He really doesn't pay a whole lot of attention as much as he should, I think, to the offense. I, I and I'm not saying he should be he should be a pseudo offensive coordinator like a head coaches are, but he just needs to know what's going on there. And uh, I I've never felt that Gary had a huge impact on the offensive side. I think he's had a big impact on the defensive side. He's a defensive coach, so. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I never saw him having a whole lot of his fingers on the offensive side. What side is more concerning for you? Um, well, I would have said going into the season, Brandon, the uh, the defensive side, but uh, right now it's the offensive side. And, and uh, I, the, you know, I have, I've had a lot of people email me and, and, and uh, on Twitter and that sort of thing that you know, oh, Marcus and McMarion was the best quarterback. No, no, Jake Luton was the best quarterback, and, and uh, you know, losing him was huge. And and so now they've got to go with Daryl Garrettson. Um, I think they've got good running backs. I think their offensive line is average at best. They've got to be better. The receivers drop too many passes. So what's their strength right now on offense? It's running back, but if they can't get those guys open holes, they can't do anything about it. So I, I would say a long answer to your question is the offense is a bigger concern. You're pretty plugged in with the uh, the athletic department, and we've talked about this a little bit on my radio <laughs> show and in this podcast, just what's realistic. And, you know, you get people when they're getting blown out, oh, Gary Anderson's got to go. And I've, I've said before, like, that's not happening. Um, just out of curiosity, if they finish this year with one win, or maybe even they get just one more, so two wins, where is pressure with him specifically going into year four? Is it even not? Is it even is it even existent? Well, there's always pressure, uh, Brandon. There's always. It seems like people's patience, fans patience grown. I'll tell you, that's one thing I've noticed over 40 years in this business is there's no patience anymore. And, and at places like Washington State and Oregon State, you have to have a little patience. So, and, and then you got the matter that he's got four years of contract left after this year. They can't afford to let him go. So you're, you're right. He's not going anywhere. And I don't think Scott Barnes wants to let him go anywhere. Um, so I, I just, I, I don't know where that, where, I can't even remember your question now, but <laughs> But but you know there's a lot of a lot of moving parts here and, and Gary's not going anywhere so uh, I, I I don't I don't know where what people expect you to say on something like that would it would it surprise you Carrie and this is look this doesn't have to there's no sources it's just kind of a gut feeling being around this program as much as you are would it shock you if he left the program after this year. Yeah, it would. He, he's not a guy. He's not a quitter. Um, you know, now if if something should happen, where too many boosters said, "Hey, we're not going to support the program anymore," and would Scott Barnes cave? I don't know. I don't think so. But I know Gary's not going to quit. Uh, he likes Corvallis. He likes his program. He believes in himself. He believes in his kids. Uh, I don't think all is lost right now. It may seem that way, but uh, it only takes a couple of things to change things around, and you can become competitive again, and and then things look a lot better. How bad is it going to be in L.A. this weekend? Um, I, you know, USC's really banged up, but the, the the thing the thing is, they have so much depth that their third and fourth stringers could start at a lot of Pac-12 schools, including Oregon State. And Gary even kind of intimated that this week. So I, I think they'll win handily. I think Oregon State's defense, which I thought showed some pretty good signs 
of being competitive last week. I think they'll be competitive again. I think they've gotten some confidence and figured out some things. But USC's too good. I think they'll win by, I don't know what I said, but I, I think about five touchdowns. I think the spread's about right. Okay, yeah, I'm a degenerate, so I would ask you, would you go the minus 34, or would you take the Bs plus the 34? Mm, I think I'd take Oregon State and, and – uh, uh, you know that, that that being said, it could could get out of hand. USC's a you know they've got some big strike players, so they can score touchdowns in a hurry. But um, like I said, I think the spread is probably pretty accurate. Okay, last question for you, Kerry, on the uh, the damn podcast. When is it red flag time for Kerry Agers? Um, just examining where the program is, let's say the year ends, how we kind of think it might, and then year four is not going great. When does the red flag for Kerry yeah. Agers go up for the Gary Anderson situation? Yeah, it won't be this year, Brandon, but it could be next year. Uh, you know, and, and again, you hate to sound so pessimistic. Um, yeah. A new year brings a lot of hope and a lot of different players and that sort of thing. So let's wait and see what they do the rest of this year. But yeah, I mean, if you go if you go one and eleven this year and you go two and ten next year or something. Like that, I mean, there, there is an end to the patience, and there should because there needs to be some responsibility and accountability in the coaching staff too. Absolutely, good stuff. Thanks so much, Kerry. Thanks, you guys. Bye. All right, there we go. Kerry Agers, PortlandTribune.com on Twitter at Kerry Agers. What did you make of it? Uh, it's good stuff. I I don't agree with him on. Um... I don't think the offensive line is average. I think they're below average, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I don't believe that. You know, he doesn't believe Anderson is t- dialed into the offense, and I disagree with that. You think he is right now? Yes. It's very. I think that. Okay. Well, maybe not as much now that he has been shadowing Clune more and being more there, but I know for a fact he has been very involved in the offense. I think that makes the Hodgins comment even worse. <laughs> Yeah, and, and like I said, maybe this that, week, it makes it, makes maybe this week he, you know, he wasn't. But I just know as far as you know, quarterbacks and and kind of what he wants to see run, mm-hmm. he's been very instrumental in all that. I think most fans, um, I, I hate I hate summarizing so many, but I think a lot of fans. There's a good chunk. The red flag's up now. When do you think it's up for? Almost everybody. When is it the most universal? I, I agree with Gary in that. I mean, Gary's. I, I think Gary's a great coach, and yes. like a, a good guy. Um, and this year, no. Um, next year, if they're still, if he doesn't make any, if if the season continues to play out like it's going, um, now. I, I talked to a, a former player today who's, you know, like, well, hey, Colorado's not that good. Mm-hmm. Stanford, at, you know, a Thursday night game, you know, they're they're good, but could Oregon State possibly? And then you have that Cal, Arizona, Arizona State. So, you know, he he's a little more optimistic than most Beaver fans. But you know, let's say things continue to play out this the way it is, and maybe Oregon State finishes two and ten or one and eleven. Yeah. Next year, okay, finishing this year, if there's no staff changes and things go on the same next year red flags up feels really impossible um that if they go this year playing how we think they may it feels impossible not to have exactly any staff changes. exactly uh, I mean, at that point and and you know somebody's got to be put on the guillotine right yeah i mean you, you have to and i think that like we talked about that is something that beaver fan and even players are going to want to see just to say hey he understands that he's trying to do something to, to help us get better yeah it's um it's very frustrating. You know, David uh, Canfield asks, I still like Anderson's message that he preaches to his players. Can he turn the corner? Pac-12 is so competitive, I still believe. I'm, I'm trying to remain optimistic. I know most of this podcast, if you've been sticking with us, is uh, not the most encouraging. I get I, I that. Do, I do think he can. But like I said, it, it's well, going to take some <clears throat> you know improvements. Let's, let's also, I want to point this out one more time. I, I just I think it is important to look at Mike Leach year three in Washington State. I'm not saying that they're going to go be Washington State and be nine wins, but I know Cougar fan personally. I know four of them in my life, all four of them in year three when they were three and nine, were saying the same things you Beaver fans are saying. Yeah. Leach is a bomb. To, they a, lost to Portland State that year, right? Uh, no, that, that was last year. Oh, that actually, was last year, and okay. they still won nine games, okay. which pisses people off even more. But um, <laughs> that is the situation. People were pointing to that and going. Fire him. Get him out of here. The Pirate can't win here. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's past him. And the next year they win nine games. So I'm not, you know, sky is high in nine games for you know, year and, four. And but I, I was talking to somebody in the press box on Saturday who had ran into Jonathan Smith. 
and said, you know, he Jonathan Smith off the record, you know, was kind of talking to this guy saying, hey, I've watched a lot of Oregon State film this week, and the defense isn't as far off as, you know. Yeah, the frustrating part with that is they are fourth to last in the country yes. in points per game given up. Um, and people would easily retort, well, the offense puts him out on the field, to which I would respond with what Mike Leach actually told me yesterday when I interviewed him. Uh, an old defensive coordinator for Georgia once told him early in his coaching career he hated hearing people say the defense is on the field all the time when the defense can have the choice to get off the field. Make a stop and you're off the field. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was actually that's, that's pretty, pretty funny. That, yeah. yeah, okay, all right. That's yeah. I can go with that. But um, it's been a tough season. Do you think that they cover? I know you're not a big gambler. I am. What, 30? 34. Will they do? They lose by less than thirty-five. No, I don't either. I think USC, even though they're banged up, I think it's going to be something around forty-two-three. Yeah, I don't see Oregon State scoring, so that's yeah. And USC's defense isn't as good as Washington's, yeah. but I think this is a get-right game. Yeah, and they're they're coming off that loss to the Cougars. Your only hope, folks. Keep this in mind for those out there that like to uh, bet the pennies, like I do. Your only hope is that USC subs Darnold out, like the whole mid third to fourth quarter. You get a backdoor cover situation. There you go. So it's like maybe forty-five, thirteen, forty-five, seventeen, and that USC. I don't see Oregon State scoring that many. Points. Hey, you know what? I don't either. But uh, I'll be at that game. Um, me and Crawford are going down. Nice. I've never been nice. to the Coliseum. We have Amy going. Oh, Amy's is she going to be down there? Yeah, yeah she's nice. going down. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's link up, too. If anybody's down there, let's link up. Hit me on Twitter. Crawford and myself, we'd love to get a drink with you. Um, is there anything else you want to get to? No, I, I, well, I, I just a, a shameless plug here. Um, Beaver Blitz, um, for all the you guys that uh, are with us, awesome. If you're not, just a little tidbit that you know this we were bought out in February by um, CBS Sports, mm-hmm. who also owns 24/7 Sports, and now they've merged my site Beaver Blitz into. They're doing away with the scout name, move, moving us over. So you're officially 24/7. Officially 24/7 today. How about that? But what's awesome about that for for fans is you remember at our site you get all. The twenty four seven and scout all of them. So there we go. It's a lot of a lot of good stuff. A lot of great analysts. Um, I know recruiting is is big, and Oregon State needs to get some guys. But um, just really good stories coming out. And uh, like I said, now you kind of get two two for the price of one. There we go. It's a fantastic deal. Uh, I love the website. Go beaverblitz.com. Congratulations on that. Finally get some settle and yes, don't have to worry settled. about anything. Yeah. I do want to ask you one quick question. Okay. Is Craig Evans more of a Kyle Pecco or Simi Cooley, is what Pablo wants to ask. Pablo, I'm going to say Pecco, <laughs> because he's at least on campus. Simi Cooley never Yeah, we never saw Simi Cooley. We never saw Simi Cooley. Um, was no. he a real person? <laughs> he was. <laughs> he was a real person. Um, but no, I, you know, Craig Evans is, and that's, you know, going back to Coach Anderson, when he has his guys that he says he's going to take care of, he wants to take care of them. And Craig Evans is one of those guys, and I know they're doing everything they can to help him um, get eligible. Yep. Um, we'll see if Craig Evans gets on the field this year. We'll see. I said something earlier this season, and I had people tell me that I was an idiot. Yeah, no, yeah, but it still ha- he still is not there. And it's five games in. Yeah. We're going into week six, well, week seven for Oregon State, and uh, still no sign of Craig Evans. So uh, we'll see. Maybe he'll get out there. Maybe help the defense. Um, everybody. I don't know how, but enjoy maybe the game Saturday against USC. Thank you for sticking with us and hanging around. We still love doing the podcast, and uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the damn podcast. Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. Check it out, and you catch my radio show on 1080 The Fan Monday through Friday, noon to 3. We'll talk to you guys next week for another episode of the damn podcast.